All right. So a few months back, we had a great opportunity to talk to Colin Mockery, who would you know from uh, from whose line is it anyway? And our guest tonight is someone who I guess you could call his other half, at least on stage. So please welcome to uh, the show our guest, the Brad Sherwood. Brad, thanks for joining us tonight. Oh, my pleasure. I'm here to set the record straight on all of the fabrications and lies that uh, Colin perpetrated on your show. <laughs> it's, it's funny you bring that up, too, because, uh, like I said, when we spoke to him a couple months ago, he we asked him for advice on what to say to you when we got the chance to talk to you, and he pretty much told us we shouldn't even tape it, that we wouldn't get anything out of you. Uh, you pretty much just talk about your time on the dating game. Yeah. He's, he's uh, pretty bitter. <laughs> you know, most people get... You know, in most partnerships, one is the funny one and one is the good-looking one. And somehow I got both those cards. So I'm not sure what he does. <laughs> well, uh, you know, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get this interview down. And uh, we're taping anyway against his yeah. better judgment. <laughs> so, um, Whether we use it is another story. But um, at least we'll use it. I'm sure we'll use it. <laughs> Uh, so you're back on tour with Colin, and your tours seem to be never-ending. I mean, you're you're one of the few touring acts that, that I've ever seen that has dates booked probably like a good two years in advance. And I'm kind of hoping the answer to this question is no, because I love seeing you guys. I've seen you guys at least three times. I plan on seeing you even more. Uh, there's no no chance of this show ever coming to an end anytime soon, I would assume. Uh, yeah, well, this is, we call this our part-time job, and we've now been doing it for going on 11 years. <laughs> so uh, we are happy uh, to do it. And we both love performing in front of a live audience. That's bo- I, I think we ha- both have a background in theater and live comedy. So to get a chance to improv, which is our favorite thing, and to be on stage the whole time, uh, it's just sort of a dream gig for us. So we literally gave it a try uh, way back when as, a, as an offshoot from when you know the whole gang would do Super Bowl shows in Vegas, and there'd be like 10 or 12 of us on stage. You'd get up and you'd do a game, and then you'd sit on the stools and wait for like four games before you got back <laughs> up again. So, uh, you know, we were, we were kind of like the special teams on a football team. So you, you only get to kick a field goal once every, you know, 30, 40 plays. So we liked getting on stage and being up there the whole time. And we've sort of never stopped because people keep coming to see us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you've been doing it for 11 years now. And, you know, other than probably popularity-wise, uh, what's been different for you guys uh, while you're touring now compared to when you started? Because, I mean, 11 years ago, that's 2004. I don't even know if smartphones were as prevalent as they are now. So, I mean, i got to imagine a lot has changed in the past 12, 11, 12 years. Uh, you, you know, you know, I mean, we always tell people not to record our show on their phones, but invariably after every performance, there's, you know, videos up on YouTube, uh, which then expose the fact that we do the exact same show every single night. No, uh, you know, I mean... <laughs> We, there are bits, you know, we always sing a good night song and uh, we do the mousetrap game, so people always want to tape that <laughs> stuff. And they tape their friends when the friends are dragged up on stage. So it's kind of hard to keep them from doing it. You know, the, the people that promote our tour every once in a while will go on YouTube and, you know, send a, a, a cease and desist order to you, YouTube about some video that's up there. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter to us. But uh, I would say that, I don't know. As far as what has changed, I would say actually the the phones now that they all have the little uh, flashlight light with the camera. Yeah. Now, now at the end when we sing and do stuff, uh, they hold them up. It's kind of like being at a concert. <laughs> oh, that's with, cool. With the lighters from back in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
You mentioned uh, you said all the you know the goodbye song that you do in the mousetrap game, and I, I had personally asked Colin about the mousetrap game, and I, I asked him you know where it had come from, and he said that it came from your dark, demented mind, um, and that you guys have actually at some point tried to ease it out of the show uh, just because you know it, it's one of your least favorite games, and I'm, I can only imagine why it's one of your least favorite games that you guys do, but the audience just loves it too much. Uh, can we still count on seeing it during this this tour? Yeah, it's it's sort of the beast that we can't kill, uh, and I can't take full credit for it being my idea. It's not my idea. It, it was an old weird improv game that was in this sort of compiled list of crazy ideas from hundreds of improvisers from around the uh, country uh, and really around the world. There was a group called Theater Sports, and they still exist in some cities around the country, uh, and. A bunch of them had compiled all the different ideas and games, and so it was just in the back of this. It was kind of the Necromicon, what is it called? The Necromonicon? Ne- the Necromicon, uh, yeah, no, I forget. Yeah. No, ne- Necromicon <laughs> that... is when dead people go to Comic-Con. Go to Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so anyway, actually... whatever that book is, covered with dead flesh, uh, yes. Uh, it was the improv version of that, and I, I sort of, we, we, we chanted the idea to do this and now we can't kill it <laughs> yeah i think colin called the it audience loves it just that much yeah colin called it the va- uh, vampire just because no matter how you, you just can't kill it no matter what you try and do with it yeah and you know we hate it because it hurts our feet and <laughs> we feel like we've been doing it long enough that nobody wants to see it anymore and we can feel a palpable disappointment if we don't do it so we're like okay this is going to be tied to us like a giant goiter for the rest of our lives. <laughs> I'm sure it hurts a little more than your feet, because I've seen those mouse traps placed in certain places uh, on your yeah. body alone from Colin that just that no yeah, mouse trap should go close to. For some reason, he seems to have a really good radar as to exactly the height and level of my junk at all times. <laughs> so he seems to, even when he's blindfolded, able to launch them right at my private parts. Uh, so... But I'm thinking of maybe like the Patriots. I'm going to deflate my balls a few percentage points, uh, so they don't hurt quite as much. Oh man. Um, well, I mean, obviously the tour is improv, but people do have tendencies to come up with the same ideas. Other than obviously, just I know Colin says a lot of people say like gynecology or something along those lines. But even just yeah. even stuff you actually want to pick, you know, people have the tendency to come up with the same idea. Um, you know, how often do the same audience suggestions come up when, and, and have you choose them? And when they do, do you go back to something you've used in the past that really hit big, or do you try and, and use something else that you know to make sure you switch it up every show? We try and switch it up because we're playing a lot of the same games. And you know, if, if for we just sort of for a while now we've retired a game called Moving Bodies and we replace it with another game uh, called Living scenery where the audience does all the sort of the moving themselves and uh but for a while uh, you know because you're playing the game over and over again you want to reach for new suggestions because the last thing you want to do is somehow be in the same city three years later and accidentally take the same suggestion and then people are like well you did firemen for sound effects both times you were here so then they think we're doing firemen only all over the country you know so uh we actually recently came up with a way of shaking it up so that we almost never get the same suggestion twice. Uh, we used to come up with ideas for what to ask for before any particular game. And then uh, Colin had the idea to write down a bunch of sort of obtuse ways of asking for suggestions on cards, and he laminated them. 
and then before each game, so we had like ten cards, we, we uh, sort of fan them out for an audience person. They choose a card. So now we've already had a one in ten chance of the way we're asking for a suggestion happening again in that game. And then based on whatever they're asking for, because they're way more vague and less specific than just like a dangerous occupation, which was a common one we used to have, yeah. uh, it really spins the wheel of randomness so that we almost never would get a suggestion. However, if within a, in, within a couple of days, if we ask for something and uh, like an adventurous um, activity, if we get if we got kayaking, and then someone else yelled out kayaking, we'll say, "Oh, we just recently had that." So we you know throw that one away and take the next thing. Yeah, because we don't want to do the same things over and over again. Yeah, no, I, that's and that's good. I mean, like yeah. I said, I've seen you yeah. a couple times, and it's been a different show every time. So it's. You know, I think that's one of the things that makes your your tour so great. Um, well, well, I think we play better when we're launching off into you know the unknown. There are certain things like even in the in the uh, mousetrap game. If you've seen that more than once, there are a couple of things in that that kind of happen the same because that's sort of like a just a classic goofy thing that we do. So uh, some classic bits with him trying to you know get me. Yeah. Are going to happen, but the you know, we we say that our show is basically ninety nine point nine nine percent improvised. You know, so so if you have if we do yeah. a two hour and fifteen minute show and there's like one or two minutes of of little nuggets that you might have seen before, so be it. Yeah, so I don't... there's not much there's not much you can change uh, when you're constantly being attacked by mouse traps. There's, there's <laughs> you can only react and paint so many different ways. Yeah, it's the least improv-y game that we do because it's such a physical gimmick um so that's why we like really try to raise the stakes and keep innovating and coming up with new games um as you know as many as we can each year that we go out we come up with a couple of new ones and so that makes it fun for not only the audience that comes back and they're like okay every time we do go see them we see at least two or three new games that we never saw before you know so uh, we owe it to them and uh, we play better when we're playing scared i think the better you are as an improviser the better you do when you truly launch yourself into the unknown. Yeah. Um, I, I know from seeing you on Whose Line, uh, I know that in big, uh, impressions are a big part of you know the games that you guys played. And you yourself have done quite a few different ones. I mean, you did Springsteen, Bob Dylan, Jimmy Stewart. I, and I know two of my personal favorites were Mick Jagger and, and Fred Schneider from the B-52s, which uh, you had done quite a few times. Uh, those impressions to me were pretty spot on. And and one of the things I've always wondered when it comes to impressions like that, were, were those impressions that ones that you intentionally learned, or were they such, just something you discovered on your own, just messing around and doing different improv along the way? Well, the the, the funny thing is, I before I did Whose Line, I had never done any type of <laughs> musical improv where I was directly spoofing or impersonating existing artists. But when we were doing greatest hits on that show, they wanted to send up a bunch of different people. So we would do, you know, musical style. I don't want to call them rehearsals, but they just wanted to see what we might do if, you know, can we do an adequate spoof of, say, the Rolling Stones or the B-52s. They just wanted to know that we could do it enough that we might plausibly pass as, oh, this is a tip of the hat to that. So... It wasn't until literally in a in a meeting with the producers and just sort of hearing the kind of music 
that the band might play, and they threw B-52s at us. But I just started singing the way I thought Fred Schneider sounded in my head, having grown <laughs> up listening to the B-52s. And everybody started laughing. I was like, oh, I guess this sounds exactly <laughs> like it. So that and uh, Mick Jagger and Springsteen, all these literally... I found out about them the day Whose Line found out that I could do them. <laughs> I, I was not the guy that walked around with this bag of impressions that he could do. I remember I could do Kermit when I was a kid. That was like, I could do some of the Muppets. I liked to pretend to be the Muppets, but I, I was not an impersonator or doing impressions at all. You know, So I was literally <laughs> trying to come up with them on the spot when they did. There was some game we played. I don't think they played it for years, but it was... Uh, bad impressions and we just had to start doing a scene it was kind of like the questions game I've, yeah. the time we came into the, <laughs> yeah. the scene we had to come in as a different person and I invariably like the only ones I could do were James Mason James Stewart and the rest were cartoon <laughs> characters <because Yeah. laughs> I had never done that before so I think I've been pegged over time as one of the guys that does impressions like that's been you know part of my arsenal my entire life and it really wasn't until they asked me to do it yeah you and Frank Caliendo of music impressions. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Doesn't he do music too? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I know. Um, I know I've I always been amazed. Rich Little and Frank Caliendo; those guys have always amazed me. So yeah. I can get away with it by doing it while I'm singing, because then I'm just basically <laughs> trying to replicate the what I heard on the radio. Yeah. Um, I just I just actually just had a question pop into my head that. Um, it's something I, I was always curious about, and I don't know if it's a secret of the games or whatever, uh, but maybe you can help shed a little light on it a, as well. I know when you guys played like greatest hits and things like that, it always it always made me wonder because um, I know a lot of the things that happened behind the scenes. I, I watched like a good like forty minute gag reel of Who's Line that just cracked me up. So I know obviously there's production breaks and things like that were in the show, but when it comes to um, you know, the musicians that were on. At, at Lauren Hall, I think, was the piano player? Yeah, um, Laura Hall, yeah. Laura Hall. Linda Taylor. And, and Linda Taylor. Whenever Colin and Ryan would come up with the music style to give them, w would they come up with that and play that right on the spot? Or were they kind of prepped beforehand that these are the styles that they might mention? Uh, yeah, they those guys were... Those, what The way it would work is the music singers, like me and Wayne... We would have a music rehearsal with uh, the producers and Linda and Laura. And they would sort of ask them, what would you play if we did a, you know, could you do sort of a ripoff? Uh, this is the producer's voice. Could you do like a, a, a Rolling Stones uh, something? You know, and then they would start riffing on that. And then they would say to us, okay, uh, and then they would turn to a PA or something and say, uh, give us a title for... Uh, songs of the dentist and they would go my tooth hurts and they say okay do do a rolling stones of my tooth hurts and then uh linda and uh laura would like maybe play something like gimme shelter or whatever and then wayne and i would just sing like two lines of that so they would see if stylistically that would be entertaining for the show does it sound enough like a rolling stones that we would go okay that sounds like rolling stones and was it a tempo that would move fast enough that we could get out a couple of l lyrics and verses in a quick amount of time, because everything kind of had to be a fast version of whatever type of music we were spoofing. Yeah. And so then they would they would make their notes like, oh, that's a good one. Okay, yes. Uh, so we can do a we can do a Rolling Stones, and we can do. So then in that rehearsal, they would 
they would find 10 to 15 that they really liked that Wayne and I did together. And then from those, they would, from those 10 to 15, they would decide which ones they wanted to see on the show. And then they would give, like, I don't know how many of those to uh, Colin and Ryan. Okay. Yeah, because I, I knew that so, the I knew that the lyrics that you or you and Wayne were coming up with were improv, obviously, because they were coming from yeah. suggestions from the audience. But right. I, I was just always curious about the style and always knew, wondered if Laura, you know, and Linda were so quick, like musically improv, in, or improv musically like that, that they could come up with that. So that was something that always yeah, I was they, always they, curious yeah, about. Yeah, they, they would, they and Ryan and Colin would have a, just advanced notice of like. Because they would usually give us like three songs, so they probably want to give us five just so that they could choose the best three. Yeah, you know, for the show. Right. So before the show, the only prep that those guys would all have is what five genres they were going to throw at us, and 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 uh, Wayne and I would have no idea. We wouldn't know what style it was going to be, and then obviously. Uh, we wouldn't know what the subject matter or the title was going to be until the moment uh, it was thrown out by Ryan and Colin, who were making up the titles on the spot based on what the occupation was. Yeah. Well, well, speaking on improv in general, I mean, I know uh, whose line would use four, sometimes five, you know, when the guests would come on, and then obviously with you and um, Colin, it's two. How many players would you say is too many when it comes to improv? I mean, have you ever done, like, Seven, six, seven. You know what I mean, like a, an all-star type of thing where you have a bunch of guys out there. Yeah, it's it, you know, there's a traffic pattern problem the moment there are three people on stage. <laughs> okay. Because a conversation is between two people. Right. So, you know, and if something is dramatic and happening between those two people, the third person, by nature, in a conversation, is going to have to find ways to get into that conversation. Yeah. That's okay. just, yeah. So when you ha if I say something, Colin responds, and then his response, I have to respond to. So there's a natural flow between two people improvising because they're just reacting back and forth like in tennis. Right. But now imagine you're playing tennis uh, with, you know, a, a sort of a, a Y-shaped net, and each guy is on a third of the court, and you don't know which way the ball's going to go, but the ball can only be hit by one person at a time. Yeah, yeah, that okay, makes that makes, yeah, that makes perfect so, sense. So if I'm hitting the net, if I'm hitting the ball over to you, uh, then, you know, Adam is on the other net waiting for it to come back to me, I mean, to come to him. So he's always going to be temporarily dormant until the ball is coming to him, and then between the two that are hitting, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, okay. yeah no, I, it does. I think the, I think the, the nature um, of any conversation is speaking and responding and speaking and responding, and the third person uh, who, whatever the accusation was not levied toward, literally has to butt in or interject or stop the flow of what, right. if you and I are having an argument, he has to jump in at the last, you know, to get his words in. Yeah, I, I think um, the Stan, Sit, Neil game would probably be a good example of the confusion that having a third yeah. person in yeah. would be. Um, well, I mean, and also with improv, I mean, it kind of benefits from the knowledge of, of pop culture and current events, especially when it comes to some, you know, jokes. Um, do you go out of your way to stay in tune with that kind of stuff, like what movies and shows are popular or current events, or does that kind of come naturally to you? Um, you know, I, I just, I have a curious mind, so I don't, like, pour over, we certainly don't do a lot of political or, you know, current events 
stuff. And and our show, because we're bringing audience members up on stage and we're, you know, playing games, there's not going to be a bunch of, you know, pop culture people references like Lindsay Lohan or Kim Kardashian or whatever. There might be a joke if someone says something about a big butt, then, uh, you know, a Kim Kardashian <laughs> reference could come in. But we don't right. have to sort of absorb everything that way. But it's certainly good to know about, you know, genres and styles so that you can... Uh, spoof them, and you, you don't want to be completely oblivious to waves that are, you know, sweeping the nation, you know, like, uh, oh, what was that dance that Psy did? I've completely forgotten it. Oh, God, uh, Gangnam Style? Gangnam Style. Yes. Oh, thank God that's already out of my mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, like, you don't want to miss that, because that might come up, and you want to be able to at least do a bad version of it. You know, I certainly wouldn't stand in the front of the mirror and try and do it, but I in my brain, having seen it on television, if someone had said that as a suggestion, uh, I certainly wouldn't want to go, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the, the show, obviously, uh, back to Who's Line for a second, the show has obviously seen a couple different iterations, you know, from the British iteration and then over to America, there's been two different ones. Um, we haven't seen you as much in the new iteration of the show on CW. Um, any chance that we're going to see you some more in this new season that's coming up? Yes, I am shooting in March. They're shooting some right now in January, and I know I have uh, a tape day or two in March. And of course, they always get gen they generally get two to three episodes out of any one taping. Okay, cool. So uh, yeah, when when they, when they first brought it back, you know, the producers told me and Greg that they weren't sure we were even going to be on the show again uh, because the CW network wanted lots of young new. <laughs> different faces. They didn't want to feel like they were just buying the old ABC version. Yeah. You know, so they, they you know, put their fingerprints on it and, you know, added some new people. And, uh, you know, finally on the second season, Greg and I both got to come back, which was very nice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you got to keep the old guard around at least for, you know, a courtesy visit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and with you and Brad Torrey, I mean, obviously you guys have great chemistry, so that, that obviously shows, you know, on the show as well as the tour. Yeah. Did you just say him you and know, Brad? Because he is Brad. Is like, I thought I said Colin. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, yeah, well, I, I have really good chemistry with myself anyway. So <laughs> um, yeah, because I, th I think CW did a good job at least um, – they, they kind of found a little bit of a niche by bringing on other stars to kind of participate with you guys in the games. Yeah. So I think that kind of keeps it a little younger and fresh at the same time. Yeah, well, they bring out a, a lot of people that are on CW shows too, which, you know, is great. Product placement makes sense to me. Yeah, because I think one of the episodes you were on, you were with Misha Collins from Supernatural, I, I think. Yes. Okay. Yes. And has Supernatural asked me to be on the show? No. <laughs> Seems kind of rude, I think. I would agree. Quick. Yeah. Quid pro quo. Um, besides Greg and obviously Colin and Ryan, I think you're one of the few people that has had the opportunity to be part of both the British version of Who's Line and uh, both American versions with uh, with Drew and Aisha. Out of all three versions, do you is there a certain host that you prefer between Clive or or Drew or Aisha? Is there anyone that that are your favorite? Well, that, that they're so different it's, to me. They are all really funny people, you know, and I've actually known all of them for a long time. I knew Aisha. We were both doing uh, comedy. I was in an improv group that played The Laugh Factory in L.A. every Sunday night, and she was the host there on Sunday nights. And this was back in 
the 90s. So I have a really long, I've actually known her longer than either of the other two hosts. So, okay. you know, and she, she is super funny. And Drew was like one of my best buddies. And, you know, he, he laughed harder than anyone <laughs> yeah. in, at home watching this show. So he was like this great fuel sitting at the desk giggling like a little boy the whole time we were doing the show. So that was fun, and he was such an easy person to pick on, uh, you know, because he just he just sort of begged for it, you know, and he would come up and do a game with us, and we all got to make fun of him for it. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, Clive was like, he was like the British uh, David Letterman, just super sarcastic and, and snide. So you kind of, you had to walk around him with a certain deference because you didn't want him to flay you open with a sarcastic <laughs> comment. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of fun because each show has had its own uh, host personality that adds to the personality of the show. Yeah. Now, yeah. Aisha is totally a smartass. So she, <laughs> like, laps everybody in line almost like the sort of the, the dominatrix teacher, you know, handing out the scores and, and making snarky remarks. Yeah. So, so that's fun. And then, you know, Drew was like our goofy friend who was driving the bus that we sometimes put kick-me signs on. You know, so there's, just like, there's like these different different relationships. Yeah, I loved Drew as the host because, yeah. like you said, he would laugh harder than the, the audience sometimes. And just yeah. his laugh was so infectious that any time he lost it, I lost it sitting watching at home. Like, I, I just loved that. I thought it was great. He's got a he's got a very infectious laugh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always found it funny too the with, with with Drew back you know back when the Drew Carey show was on like oh I just remember when I was younger just I'm like watching Who's Line I'm like wait all these people are like on on the Drew Carey show at one point or another and it, it, thinking about it really makes me hope that or wish that show was still on the air because that was such a great show and, and you know I mean it just it was so funny. Yeah. You did a couple. Well, yeah. You did a couple yeah. episodes of Drew yeah. too, didn't you? You were the host of the live shows. Yeah, I think we did three of them. Three, three seasons. They had us come and do the Who's Line live, yeah. where we sort of <laughs> parachuted in and <laughs> destroyed the semblance of order of a sitcom. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite Who's Line game? Oh, it's so hard. To say, I mean, I'm a big fan of the the musical ones just because they're so challenging. Yeah. Literally, you, you hear a title and you're trying to make a contextual sense of what you're saying. It has to rhyme and it has to be funny. And then, based on the style, you have to be singing it on key to notes that you don't know where they're going and do service to if it's Bruce Springsteen, sort of sound like him. So you, it's kind of like the plate spinning game where you've got a, you've got like intellectually eight plates going at the same time whereas most of the other games you're just sort of in a conversation hoping that you can say something funny to the guy that's saying something to you yeah yeah i heard uh con told me that my favorite game the props game is the most hated game on whose line yeah it's it's you know it's just kind of it's like a riffing on cleverness um i, I never minded it much just because when i was a kid i was a cartoonist so I think sort of spatially and visually about what things are and sort of look like when they're not what they actually are. Yeah. But uh, I think it, it just went on too long. So in the live tapings, you know, there were usually three or four that were just not funny. <laughs> so 
<laughs> you've got all these really funny people doing like five really funny ones and then three or four that just are like dud you know yeah. and we don't like to do that we don't we don't yeah. like to be dragged into the dud zone yeah. uh when we can be funny and all these other things actually let's 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 be correct for a second adam i think colin said that it was his it was everyone's least favorite game behind hoedown oh that's right <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um well hoedown yeah is hoedown because it literally ended every single show since the show began basically so Ryan and Colin, I don't think, have ever known an episode not singing Hoedown. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's like we're done with it. That, that's, I think, how, why they feel that way. Of course, yeah. you know, I'm not doing every episode, so I'm just so excited to be there taping that I would sing, you know, ten Hoedowns at a taping. Yeah. Uh, any plans to adapt any other Who's Line games to, to the tour while you guys are out? Uh, we're kind of always innovating. I mean, the key is it has to be a game that works well with just two players and it has to be a game where if there is a caller that we you know that some, uh, a facilitator that somehow calls some aspect of the game uh, that we can give that power to the audience yeah you know and it has to be the power that we can give them so that they can switch it up and change it if they need to but there's a certain delicacy to comedic timing to know when and instinctually what is the best way to do that so you you can't hand them the reins to drive a scene into the ditch, if that yeah. makes sense. I, I, yeah, you don't want to leave them so much responsibility that they're either undercalling or overcalling a game. So we have to always factor that part in to make it as goofy and silly. And we like to bring as many people up on stage as possible. So we're always trying to figure out how we can take old improv games and somehow bring an audience member up on stage for it. Yeah. I, I can't remember if this is a game I've seen you guys do or not. Have you guys ever done Quick Change? On stage? Yeah, quick change. It's a, yeah, we call it new choice. Okay. Uh, whose line calls it quick change? Uh, but yes, we, we used to do that all the time, and then we've sort of uh, done several variations of it. Okay. Um, and then we always did it with the gang in Vegas, too, for all the Super Bowl shows. Gotcha. Uh, on, on the flip side of that, are there any sh- uh, ones that you guys came up with that you ended up getting onto whose line at some point? Or I, obviously yeah, not well, mouse traps, but. Yeah, Quick Change, actually, which I okay. called New Choice, was a so game that I came up with uh, in um, when I was teaching improv in theater sports way back when. That's pretty and, cool. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, Sideway scene, uh, which they're doing now on Who's Line, we did uh, at Just for Laughs uh, when we were hosting Just for Laughs in Montreal uh, a bunch of years ago. You can actually look it up on YouTube. Everything. Uh, we were in our tuxedos. <laughs> yeah, we were in our tuxedos, and we did the sideways scene uh, where they they call, We had them call different styles, so we did, played the styles game as a sideways scene, and it was really fun. And uh, so that was the first time that came to television. And now they're doing it on Who's Line, and they also did it on uh, a show called Trust Us with Your Life that the producers of Who's Line also did. Okay. Well, I, before um, before we let you get going, I have one more question. Like, I, I had watched a couple earlier interviews with you, um, and this was one. It had to be probably close to ten years ago, but it was on, on a, some local TV station, and they pulled out a hat and, and pulled na- or, you know little things out of a hat, just like uh, scenes from a hat, and they had you improvise on camera. Did, did that happen? And does that still happen very often? I mean, I, I gotta imagine that gets annoying after a while. To, I mean, you're you're there just to kind of to talk, and they 
kind of doesn't that feel like you're like dance puppet? Yeah, that was that was kind of a comedy <laughs> ambush. But looking back, I mean, it, as awful as awkward as it still makes me cringe when I watch it. it you know, it wasn't so as bad as it could be. About? You know? Yeah, I, oh, I remember it. Yeah, <laughs> I remember because it's the only time I let it happen. Because uh, okay. <laughs> normally people will be like, okay, so we were thinking of doing this, you know? And then you go, oh, I don't think that would be a good idea. <laughs> they didn't mention that. So they just, like, launched it on me when I was, I was actually doing You didn't seem like ahead. it was coming. <laughs> no, I had no idea. Okay. <laughs> and, and they were like, I, I don't know what they were doing. It was, uh, like, not scenes from a hat or... One line, world's like, what they were asking me to do was basically impossible. So I was, in my brain, I was like, okay, I have to come up with one line of funny things to say to whatever this scenario is. I lit- it, it literally has to be a one-sentence punchline that I am synthesizing from these, you know, morning show, you know, producers, hey, yeah. this would be funny type ideas yeah. that they had thrown into a hat. Yeah, I think so, the yeah. first one was about, like, uh, I think it was about some, I think it might have been, like, an OJ thing. So, like, the first one was about, like, homicide. Yes, which is always <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, right, exactly. All right, so we'll, we'll make a note of that. If we ever get to talk to Brad again in the future, do not improvise a game for him to do. Or give him a heads up about it. For yeah. <laughs> well, that like, I, I was thinking, like, that never even crossed my mind to do that in an interview with someone doing improv. It's like, that. you do that all the time. You're here... To just kind of talk. Radio radio shows always want us to do that. Like when they invite us in to come to the radio station, they always want to play a game with us. And invariably, um, the only thing we ever offer to do with them is do a spoof radio show. Yeah, because it's oh, that's cool. it's like the only thing that actually will work. Because yeah. what we do is theatrical and is reliant upon getting audience reaction. You right. know, so it's almost like do a comedy show in a vacuum. Well, that you can't really do it. Just like you. <laughs> A stand-up would not want to do his act on at the radio station. Yeah. He would sit and have a conversation with them and then say funny things based on what's going on in the conversation. Right. But he wouldn't want to launch into the first two minutes of his set. Yeah, but yeah, because like you said, there's no audience to kind of to gauge the yeah. reaction from. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, it would be it would be death if you ask any bona fide established high level comedian to go on a radio show and just start their act. They, nobody would want to do it. Yeah. It would be yes. like, ah, that, it makes me cringe just thinking of it. Well, <laughs> well, it's like anytime you watch like Last Comic Standing and the comics are auditioning for a panel of three people. Uh, you know, it's yeah. always kind of awkward and it's tough on the comedian too because you know it's the comedian can't even judge how their act is going without an audience. You yeah. know, it's just yeah, these three stone faced judges. Yeah. So. Uh, but you guys are back on tour right now. I know you're going to be coming back to our, we're in the Philadelphia area. You're going to be coming back to uh, our area November 21st, uh, and I know I will definitely be in the audience for that. Terrific! So yeah, excellent. We'll come backstage and say hi when when you do. Uh, we, we would we would love to. We actually yeah. asked we asked Colin we asked Colin about that, and he said absolutely. You know, we could come back and meet you guys. So uh, that just reaffirms you know that you just said that too. So we will yeah. definitely yeah. take advantage of that. I, I and Colin is actually Colin is actually two foot three, but he wears these lifting <laughs> shoes, so you'll be surprised at just how short he is. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen a show yet, so I'm really excited for you guys to get back in town because I think uh, last time you're at that theater was like probably two years by the time you get back to it. So um, I don't even know that I knew you guys were coming to town. So now that I know and have a heads up, I'm definitely clearing my calendar because, like Ben said, I, I've heard you guys are fantastic, and I expect. Uh, 
I'm not surprised by that at all after seeing you guys. We always say we're the second funniest comedy show you will ever see. <laughs> and when people say, well, what's the first? I say, well, just legally, we want that disclaimer. <laughs> so that you can't sue us and ask for your money back. <laughs> That's a good one. But, yeah, um, pre- appreciate the invite, Brad. We'd definitely take advantage of that. Come back and meet you guys. We'd love to meet you guys. Great. So um, we want to point people to your Twitter account, at the Brad Sherwood. Uh, and also your website, bradsherwood.com, as well as colinandbradshow.com, which is where people can yeah, find that one. As far as websites go, that one's the one to check out because that one has all the updated tour information, colinandbradshow.com. Now, it may have a bunch of dates listed in January, but those are false because uh, whose line is taping right now? So oh, okay. Some of those have gotten moved, and hopefully they've updated it, but, you know, I'm, I'm relaxing at home and... <laughs> well, well we'll do the research and we'll make sure people are updated on yeah. that too yeah. so uh but this was Terrific. yeah this was a lot of fun brad thanks for spending some time with us tonight yeah man oh my pleasure my pleasure so and uh, i'll see you guys when we come to pennsylvania yeah all right uh, looking forward to it all right so, all right thanks brad no problem take care <laughs>